Listener Production. Welcome to Concussion, where Professor Vicky Anderson helps you understand everything important you need to know about head injuries, the lasting effects it may have, or whether it's just nothing to worry about. We've talked a lot about the impact that the term concussion has had on parents and, and changing in sport. How do you think the media has handled this? In my own experience of talking to the media, I, I think that they have tended to sensationalise it mm-hmm. quite a lot. So mostly when my team or I have spoken to the media about concussion, you know, a, as I've indicated, we have a fairly conservative approach, we try to normalise concussion. But often in interviews, we're really asked for the most sensational uh, outcome and and what's then published or on radio or whatever is very sensational information. So it adds to the hysteria around this Mm. area, I think, and it makes it really hard for families and kids to know what's what's right and what's not for them. And I, I think it it has the capacity to negatively influence kids' decisions or inappropriately influence kids' decisions by not providing a balanced approach to what the information is. You know, a- a- as we've discussed, 75% of kids will be better after a concussion in a couple of days. They'll have absolutely no consequences and yet some of those 75% may never go back and play sport mm. because of what they hear on the media. So yeah. so I think, you know, the, it's really important to identify risks, but it's equally important to be able to, to be able to provide balanced information. Yeah, I guess a positive spin would be an increased awareness of the more positive of normalising concussions. Absolutely. And, you know, particularly um, treating concussions appropriately in that acute stage, taking kids off the ground if they have a concussion uh, or, or adults, not having any stigma around being a wuss if you go off the <laughs> ground. And, you know, also I think having an understanding, uh, the, the community having an understanding that kids do need to take some time after concussion to get back to normal. Interestingly, when we talk to schools, there's no clear um, policy for them to deal with concussion. And and so often kids go back to school and they can be pressured into doing homework and sitting exams and so on. In fact, one of the the kids that I saw a couple of years ago who um, wanted to get into medicine had a concussion a few weeks before her exams. And in order for her to get special consideration, we had to assess her every day before she sat an exam, you know, and that's just really crazy. It's an added stress um, that she didn't need. So having a sensible approach and say, you know, as is in all of the guidelines to say for the first four weeks, these kids will not be functioning normally and they need to be treated in that way is a bit of a safety net for for the kids that are going to um, be slower to recover, but haven't yet got that support of professionals around them to to advocate for them. Hmm. Do you think now that concussions have become more mainstream, it's allowed us to further develop and conduct better research into what concussions actually are? Absolutely, I think so. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's, 
I, I just see what's happening and because I have links with the AFL through Headshaker, I see see what's happening there and obviously in other places internationally where where there's a move to to do baseline assessments for elite sports people where there's regular assessments post-concussion when these sportsmen retire, they have exit assessments. Now, you can be cynical and say, well, that's all, you know, for insurance purposes, Mm. but it's also increasing the well-being and um, the the confidence in the sports people that they're they're okay. So, you know, I, I think that that approach is a very sensible approach to mitigate any major problems that individuals might have, but still allow sports people to get information in in a um, serial way to be able to make decisions. And what sort of technologies are being developed at the moment to help with prevention or cure of brain injuries? Probably the neuroimaging area is the most quickly advancing area. So um, typically when a child or an adult has, um, has a concussion where they've got fairly significant symptoms, they might start by having an x-ray to make sure that um, there's no skull fracture. And if that's clear, but there's still symptoms, then kids will go on to have a CT scan, which provides a bit more information. But really, the the field has moved to, to magnetic resonance imaging scans, which mm-hmm. are very high resolution and which are really useful to be able to identify that white matter axonal damage that I've talked to you about before, those connecting fibres. Mm-hmm. So we can pick up that kind of injury quite well. But even then, once that's done, there's there's quite a number of um, groups that are looking at metabolic markers in scans so they can see whether some of those blood biomarkers that I talked about are represented at abnormal levels in the brain. And we can also do fine-grained analysis of those MRI scans and be able to track all of those nerve fibres from from the spine right through to the brain. And that helps us to be able to see if there's any areas where the connectivity has been affected. So I talked to you about rotational forces mm-hmm. and stretching and shearing. Well, sometimes, um, particularly in slightly more serious injuries, you'll find that when you do these scans, there are areas of the brain that don't light up like they should. They don't show those connections. Yeah. And that can tell us a little bit about what functional problems we might expect to see. So we might, you know, if, if there's a lack of connection to the more frontal areas of the brain that are important for decision-making and planning and organisation and working memory, we might see that the person, person is poorer at processing information. They're poorer at making decisions and being organised. And so that's really important information in being able to then help them to overcome those problems through through therapy uh, and just to inform them about those problems as well. So I think there's a lot that's happening in, in that space. There's a little bit happening in terms of being able to better measure head knocks. So things like mouth guards uh, being used to measure head knocks. Mm. And and so there's little mouth guards with microchips in them can record any head knocks and what the the speed of the knock was. Wow. And, and so that's used quite a lot in um, elite sports and it's being trialled I think here currently in Melbourne. In I don't think I could sports. afford uh, a microchip <laughs> in my mouth guard. <laughs> 
Oh dear. But the um, the blood biomarkers is the other area. And currently we only do that in a, you know, when the child comes into hospital. But there is great technology now where you can take pin pricks on your phone. And so that again would allow sidelines testing, which is mm. it would be really, really great. So there's there's lots of things happening. Typically technology moves fast and some of the ideas don't work and some of them do. So who knows <laughs> what, which of those will work. What sort of things do you think the future holds for research in concussions and head injuries? I think there's two areas. I think I think the work on that's been looking at really um, advanced brain imaging has limited value because even if we find things, we're not they're not really correlating very well with with the symptoms that we see. So, in fact, in the, the groups that we see, 10% of the kids that have abnormalities actually have abnormalities that they were probably born with, not that mm. not that was caused by the concussion. So, there's a lot of work happening in that area, but I don't know that it's it's going to tell us much more than it does. I think the, that whole biomarkers area, the metabolic cascade, has some great opportunities. But I suppose the other area that is critical is prevention. Mm-hmm. So looking at how to minimise risk of concussion in sensible ways and ensuring that kids have the, the skill set that they need to be able to play a sport that has some risks associated with it. Mm. And so I guess with that prevention, it's it's starting to change rule sets of games in, in sports. Yes, it is. I mean, we see over a, you know, over a long period initially Auskick and then Auskick being a, a non-contact sport and, and that's really really now filtered through to most sports where where those junior um, codes have a, a non-contact kind of policy. But you see it really clearly in, um, in adult versions of the sports too. And I'm part of the concussion in sports group, which meets every four years in very nice places. I think it's Paris next year. And um, in, in that context, the chief medical officers for most international sports around the world get together with researchers and look at what new has been found in four years and then modify their um, their policies and their um, the, the specific aspects of their code and their rules based on that information. And, you know, I think that kind of international buy-in has been really valuable in making sure that, that sports people are protected. Mm. It was quite interesting. You mentioned to me before we started recording mm. that a lot of the injuries in, say, boxing, kickboxing and MMA those injuries happening during training, not the actual, mm. not the actual fights themselves. Absolutely, I, I mean, in the kids that, that we see, probably about half of the sporting injuries are during training rather than actually during the game. So, you know, those injuries can happen in the playground too. So, just by stopping kids playing sports, uh, contact sports, we're not going to stop them from having concussions. Um, so, I, th- I think. The approach of prevention and rule change is a really positive one. And what about in making sure your kid has the correct sort of skill set to play mm. a sport with those associated risks? How do we train them into doing that? You know, someone's just not automatically good at football. <laughs> so we have to, I guess, enable them to learn and try it 
in a, in, a, in a safe way at first to then start increasing yeah. that risk? I think you're probably talking to the wrong person because <laughs> I'm a nerdy non-sports person, but I've, I watched a lot of sport <laughs> with my kids and, and um, I'm a good um, observer. You know, I think part of it is about training and then part of it is about understanding when the skill set isn't there. Mm. And in concussion, you can tend to see it. If you've got a child who keeps on getting their head hit because they're not protecting themselves, mm-hmm. you know, they're going into a pack without thinking or if they're not not aware of what's going on around them, then they're probably the kids that are going to be at most risk for concussion. So that goes back to my comments around um, women's sport and the fact that that really needs to develop and the skill sets need to develop appropriate to the mm. to the various sports. Uh, and we're likely to see a, a reduction in concussions once once that happens. So, I, you know, I think it's it's making sure kids have the skills, making sure they don't have to play sports where they don't enjoy them or have the, the skill set necessary, and then being aware when the injuries are happening on a frequent basis. Concussion was produced and presented by me, Matt Dwyer, Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Special thanks to Professor Vicky Anderson. Listener.